Hello, I'm Steve Fierro. This is From Wall Street to Awakening. My guest today is world-renowned Dr. Thomas E. Levy, a retired board-certified cardiologist and lawyer as well, who is considered the leading megadose vitamin C and magnesium expert in the world, tirelessly researching and spreading the word for 25 years now of vitamin C's ability to reverse virtually all disease, including cancer, heart disease, Lyme, and even polio. Dr. Levy selflessly continues to lecture at medical conferences and to groups of people around the world in an effort to educate and integrate this life-saving knowledge to as many people as possible. Dr. Levy is the author of 12 groundbreaking books, including Curing the Incurable, Stop America's Number One Killer, Primal Panacea, Death by Calcium, Hidden Epidemic, and his most recent book, which is titled Magnesium, Reversing Disease. Dr. Levy, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you on. Happy to be here, Steve. That's great. So you were, four years ago, you were inducted to the Orthomolecular Medicine Hall of Fame. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. It's, uh, I mean, I like to say, not that it's a genuine reflection of accomplishment on my part, but it's nice to say that you're a member of a Hall of Fame that has two different Nobel Prize winners in it, uh, uh, Dr. Pauling among them. So, so no, it's fine. It's uh, always nice to have any type of recognition amongst your peers, obviously with the type of work that I do, I don't expect uh, recognition quite the opposite from the majority of docs since natural medicine seems to underline, uh, seems to undermine the entire pharmaceutical model, but that's another story. Yeah, uh, Linus Pauling, I mean, he's a legend. I mean, you're a legend. I, I, I'm, I'm totally, enamored with your, you've written 12 books, you've been around the world. Like you said, you're a medical doctor promoting, you know, you don't really like the word alternative, I've heard you say, but just um, alternative modalities of healing that go against the grain of the medical establishment. And, you know, how are you still alive? <laughs> you know, actually, for alternative, the what I prefer, it's, it hasn't caught on, but what I prefer is uh, scientifically valid medicine or scientifically documented medicine because modern medicine would have you believe they just do everything based on science but nothing could be further from the truth I mean they do it based on profit okay that's that's it and if by chance it also helps the patient well then that's okay okay but yeah. everything that I talk about even though it's largely ridiculed by mainstream medicine is based in science and is based in solid clinical studies and solid clinical observation so but you know being in this for as you said for 25 years now I just I just tend not to wallow in those details anymore it just it just takes my energy away and doesn't allow me to dedicate what I need to do to continue to press what I consider to be the true medical science forward. Mm, but I mean, it's, I couldn't imagine, you know, the, because I, I, I mean, I'm drained just being a layman and trying to help people because even friends I've pleaded with who had cancer, I've watched them die. And I, you know, sometimes you have to be belligerent in the face of ignorance. And, you know, you're looked at like you're a crazy man because the, the world's indoctrinated into a belief system that doesn't support them. Uh, but, you know, well, well, one of the things that, I mean, lots of things impressed me or depressed me, but one of the things that amazes me as much as anything else is uh, I'm politically conservative, 
and I enjoy watch listening to Rush Limbaugh and his analysis. And I got to say, I mean, I think whether you like him or not, you pretty much have to confess that he's really straightforward, logical. You give him data, he turns out a conclusion, a result, applies it. A pure, pure logical mind. And then he goes and gets, uh, he now has lung cancer, a stage four, and he runs straight to chemotherapy. And then in one particular show, he not only, he, he actually denigrates vitamin C. Uh, it, it's, it's a funny little story, but the bottom line is, is to be that intelligent, to completely understand that in politics, there's all this corruption, uh, money, this out of the other, and to somehow think that pharmaceuticals and doctors and the FDA and all the other three-letter agencies aren't even as much or more powered by, by money. I mean, you could understand it 25 years ago, but these days you get this diagnosis, you type in on Google or Yahoo the diagnosis, and you have dozens of different possibilities, and you, with your strong, powerful, logical mind, you can sit there and look at the studies yourself. So it just absolutely amazes me that somebody like that could just completely bury himself in his own little medical fantasy world and think that a straight-up chemotherapy approach is the either the only way or the best way to go for a lung cancer diagnosis. But what it does prove to me is that any mind can go in any direction, and it's not necessarily the intelligence of the mind that dictates it. I mean, we respond probably as a world population much, much, much more to emotion and desire than we do to logic. Totally. I mean, I, I would, he's such a public figure. They probably said, look, you take the vitamin C on the side, you tell the public you're taking chemo, and uh, we won't kill you. You know, I mean, you know, it sounds crazy, but it's like if you go back to in your book, Curing the Incurable, where, you know, you bring on, um, you mentioned Dr. Frederick Klenner, and he cured, in 1949, he cured 60 out of 60 full-blown polio cases with vitamin C, and no one wanted to hear about it, and, it, you know, it was stonewalled, even back then, and his, his you know, he was beside himself knowing people were dying needlessly. And it's the same thing today, you know? And that's what I was getting to with you was like, you know, are, are there times where you just like almost want to like, you know, just scream or you're, you know, you're losing your mind because it's so hard. I mean, I've watched friends die and, you know, they didn't have to. I mean, like a friend of mine who I played lacrosse with, the, la the last, I pleaded with him. I sent him emails. I pleaded with him. Just listen to me. You have to, you're, there's knowledge you don't know and it can save your life. And the last thing he told me, I sent him all the emails on nutrition and deep and cleansing and, you know, which, you know, with vitamin C, it's really about killing, killing the pathogens that are, are come from toxins and stuff. So the last thing he told me, oh, you know, I'm, they're putting a chemo pump in my prostate. And yeah, I, it's, it's, it's very frustrating. And uh, as I said, having doing this for 25 years now, I'm not saying it still doesn't frustrate me, but I've, I've worked through most of those emotions a long time ago and I'm much more, I don't go any far out of my way at all unless somebody is very enthusiastic 
for me and with me. I mean, I, I spend no energy at all trying to convince a naysayer otherwise. That's a total waste of my energy, and it has no impact at all other than to drain my energy and my resources. But, uh, but you're right. I mean, what Dr. Klenner did shortly after the discovery of vitamin C uh, and the awarding of the Nobel Prize for that discovery, Dr. Albert St. George in the late 30s, I forgot, 37, 38, something like that. The incredible genius of Dr. Klenner, and I still haven't completely figured it out, was somehow a few years after this substance was discovered, he somehow, and in many ways, this makes, to me, Klenner the real Nobel Prize winner to figure this out. I mean, Dr. St. Georgie, and I'm not minimizing what he did, just worked in a laboratory, isolated a substance, and described its qualities. Klenner somehow made the leap of mind and the leap of faith, leap of faith that giving large doses of this brand new defined substance intravenously was going to have this phenomenal effect on all pathogens, especially viruses and bacteria. That to me is profound. I, I'm still flabbergasted to this day. I, certainly, certainly he was very brave, yeah. but I got to say this too, because Klenner describes uh, a number of times where he did things to himself first. So he didn't just make yeah. his patients as guinea pigs, but and I'm sure after he had the audacity to do something like this the first one or two times, the response was so dramatic that it, you really, you really rapidly gain incredible faith in not only the ability of vitamin C to deal with all infectious diseases, especially viruses, but also the enormous, enormous safety of the product. Because as it turns out, and I'm not sure Dr. Klenner realized it at this level, but vitamin C is so much more than a vitamin. Vitamins are generally something you need in small quantities to prevent development of what's called a deficiency disease. So small amounts of vitamin C will prevent you from getting the deficiency D disease called scurvy. But that's the minor part of vitamin C, the major part of vitamin C is aside from being labeled a vitamin, and I say that because it really shouldn't be labeled a vitamin. It's the major nutrient in which your body runs and which is vital for the cellular function of every cell in your body. Uh, your, your body is the car and the vitamin C is the gasoline. And if you don't get enough gasoline, you don't run, okay? And I think this is what maybe Dr. Klenner didn't have the opportunity to realize is at the same time he was killing viruses and bacteria and other pathogens, he was also giving the body the maximal amounts of the substance that's needed both to fuel the cells and stimulate the immune system, which it does. Yeah, and also in, from reading your book, it, it's basically disease is toxicity and I want to get into this because I, I want to try and, and help the public understand that toxicity is like you know drinking alcohol it's stress it's you're breathing in in toxins from the air it's heavy metals that are added to our cereal and you know I mean it's it's all that and it gets in our blood and it, it creates toxicity and then you say the toxicity creates pathogens and that and that it's really a, a compromised immune system where the macrophages that that have the most vitamin C are in limit, limited amount, and 
that the disease is, is really the, um, the proliferation of pathogens and the absence of vitamin C, like a scurvy, it, you know. Um, yeah, let me say this. And uh, after all this time, in my opinion, based on the science, is the cause of all diseases is simple, which I'll explain in a moment. But the treatments for effective treatments for all diseases are much more complicated. Okay. The cause of all diseases is increased oxidation, which is molecules losing electrons and being in what's called an oxidized state. And when biomolecules like uh, DNA, proteins, enzymes, sugars, fats become oxidized, they lose much or all of their biological function. So whatever that biomolecule was supposed to do in your body, it can't do it anymore. It's just sitting there in an inactive, oxidized state, taking up space and impairing the normal metabolic function of whatever pathway it works in. Now, with that said, if, ox if disease is increased numbers of biomolecules in unique concentrations and locations, if that's the cause of the disease, what causes oxidation? Uh, what causes oxidation is something that is seeking electrons, that is in a biochemically unstable configuration and only becomes stable and non-toxic when it gets those electrons. And that's the case with toxins. All toxins are pro-oxidant or having a pro-oxidant effect in taking electrons away from biomolecules in the cells. And the more toxins you have, the more oxidation you have, and, and what determines the unique disease you have is determined by the biochemical nature of the toxin insofar as where does it go? Where does it concentrate? Uh, is it fat-soluble, water-soluble? Is it ionic? Is it physically large? And this is what determines where the toxin goes, which then determines what unique array of biomolecules get oxidized, and that's your unique disease, okay? Uh, there's no such thing as a Alzheimer's cell or a fibromyalgia cell. It's just a cell that has its own unique array of biomolecules being oxidized. So that's what disease is, and so it turns out that you can make the statement, and I'm actually writing another book now, I tentatively, the title is Toxins Cause All Disease, and the subtitle is Infections Provide Most Toxins. Okay, so, and of course, that really goes back to all my other books about dental toxicity and focal infections, because they are the ongoing most potent provider and generate new toxins, new prooxidants inside your body so that you're doing this constant push-pull. And my mentor, Dr. Hal Huggins, told me some 25 years ago when he was first introducing me to these concepts, and I was getting a little confused, and he looked at me a little condescendingly. Hal was a wonderful, sarcastic person. And he said, Tom, you can't dry off while you're still in the shower. And I said, <laughs> oh my goodness. 
And you know, that's exactly the situation with oxidation and toxins. Just directing therapy with antioxidants to go in and redonate electrons and bring those oxidized biomolecules back to their reduced, normally functioning state is only half and probably less than half of the solution. You have to turn the water off. You have to stop the new supply of toxins coming in on a daily basis to initiate new damage or worsen the old damage if you're not taking in enough antioxidants to at least have a steady state fend off, okay? So that's basically in a nutshell, the, the really the core of all my work is yeah. oxidation reduction, what promotes oxidation, what promotes reduction, and then with therapies directed at maximizing reduction of oxidized biomolecules while minimizing the oxidation of new biomolecules. That's it in a nutshell. But the really important thing that a lot of people, there's a lot of stuff out there that all oh, toxins are bad. Yeah, we're, let's avoid toxins, let's detox. Everybody's on everybody's tongue. But the bottom line is toxins don't cause some disease. They cause all disease. Every disease process mm. is an excess of oxidation in a unique array of biomolecules Relatively to relative to the normal state. That's it. When you have an Alzheimer's cell, it doesn't have some additional ill-described Alzheimer's disease inside it, in addition yeah. to the unique array of oxidative stress. Okay. So, and I want to get into that because your new book, Magnesium Reversing Disease, talks about reversing Alzheimer's. But the um, I, I kind of was under the impression with megadose intravenous vitamin C that. I had this, uh, well, first of all, I wanted to say on the, on the subject of toxins, can we, you know, do you agree that toxins are, you know, in the air, they're in the food, they're in the toothpaste, they're, you know, they're in the alcohol, they're in the cigarette, they're, I mean, and all this accumulates, especially over 40 years, you know, you're way toxic. So uh, just to help the public understand what toxins are, can you tell us exactly what yeah. they are? Let me say this, and that's that's a good point to make, is uh, living in modern society, we have toxin exposure everywhere. We have it in food, we have it in water, we have it in air, okay? Uh, we have it when we digest poorly and our food tends to rot and putrefy. Uh, we have it when our hormones are out of balance because hormones promote reduction and reduce oxidation. And, but the important point that I like to make is that, yes, let's say you live next door to an aluminum plant where well, you're gonna be highly toxic because you're sitting here inhaling enormous amounts of these toxic vapors all day long. So whatever disease you have is due to the excess toxins for that. But when you look at the population as a whole, Far and away, well over 95% of your greatest toxin exposure comes from focal infections inside your body. And well over 90 to 90% of those focal infections inside your body are in your oral cavity. Wow. Gum disease, infected teeth, very important infected tonsils. I'm just, I'm just getting into that now and that's going to be part of the new book because uh, I consider... 
tonsils for most people, if you still have your tonsils as an adult and they didn't get taken out, unless you're an extraordinarily clean living person and you had a perfect mouth in terms of gums and teeth and everything else, there's an excellent chance you have a chronically infected tonsil, even though it looks normal. And that supplies the same sort of toxins that promote cancer, promote heart disease, just as the infected teeth do, draining into your lymphatics. So sinuses, tonsils, teeth, gums, these are the primary sources, statistically speaking, for most people that is going to cause or sustain or propagate any chronic disease. And until these are addressed, I mean, I consider it the most tragic thing in the world. And sometimes a lot of people that are even familiar with my work and they write me and they have my books and, and they say, well, we have this... Uh, we have the, the uh, what do you think about this lady that has breast cancer? And I said, well, what's in her mouth? And they look stunned. I said, the primary reason for breast cancer are the toxins that are being drained in the lymphatics from infected teeth. Okay. And I don't say it this way. I'm much more patient. I said, but it's malpractice to have a breast cancer patient that you haven't thoroughly evaluated their mouth with a 3D cone beam examination that examines very subtly for infections at the tip of all your teeth. Same thing for heart disease. Well over 95%, I don't say 100% because 100% is just a dangerous thing to say in biology, but well over 95% of heart attacks are caused by the metastatic dissemination of pathogens and their associated toxins from sites of infection in your mouth. And for reasons I won't go into right now, they seek out and selectively find the first high pressure artery that they get in after they enter the venous system is the coronary artery. Okay, when you come in from the left atrium, you have low pressure. And as soon as it hits the left ventricle, the left ventricle squeeze, you go from low pressure to high pressure. So any circulating pathogens and toxins that initially seeded from the mouth into the venous system, the first major artery where it goes from 15 millimeters of mercury to 140 millimeters of mercury is your coronary artery. And so it embeds those pathogens and their associated toxins in the coronary artery. And that's why, effectively speaking, all coronary artery disease is arterial scurvy. When you seed the endothelium, the inner lining of the coronary arteries with pathogens. What do pathogens do? They proliferate, they grow, they produce toxins, uh, they take up iron, which is pro-oxidant. Everything they do is pro-oxidant in nature. So that means any vitamin C that you had present in the artery is used up. The pro-oxidant nature of the, of the chronic pathogen colonization inside your coronary arteries keeps all the Vitamin C stores in your artery completely depleted to being immeasurable. And what does that do? The primary reason that you keep a healthy blood vessel, blood vessel is that you have enough vitamin C in it to maintain a quality structure with enough connective tissue, collagen, etc. If you don't have enough vitamin C there, you cannot produce these substances and the blood vessel becomes weak and is prone to enlarge 
So what does the body do? The body always has natural compensatory mechanisms. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't, but the body has to try to do something when one system is failing. So as the artery gets weaker and is potentially going to dilate, maybe even form an aneurysm and rupture, which would kill you, the body makes a compensatory mechanism and no longer has vitamin C to strengthen the wall. So it starts building atherosclerotic plaque, which makes the wall thicker, but it also gives it more mechanical strength. And it actually is a good compensatory mechanism to keep your blood, blood vessel intact and from rupturing until it finally proliferates to the point where it blocks off the blood vessel completely and causes a heart attack. So in every sense of the word, chronic coronary artery disease is chronic arterial scurvy that breaks down the integrity of the blood vessel and is primarily caused, almost exclusively caused, by the consumption of that vitamin C by disseminated pathogens and toxins from occult infections in your mouth. So it's a resulting absence of vitamin C that requires the plaque, yes? Exactly. So then the plaque is a compensatory mechanism for the inability of the tiny amounts of vitamin C you have left to make the artery strong. So if someone had clogged, or if they did a, a, um, a calcium scan or they, and they had, let's just say they said what the doctor said, two of your arteries are totally clogged, could megadose vitamin C over time or whatever you would recommend the doses, uh, you know, in the time frame and the amounts, could it reverse? Absolutely. And that's been well established in the literature. The thing is, though, is like I just said, you can't dry off while you're still in the shower. So... If you do that and nothing else, somebody, some patients will get better, maybe get a little less symptoms, maybe slightly decrease their, their blockages or stabilize them. But if you stop the new flood of toxins, the new pro-oxidant substances that are going to oxidize biomolecules from coming into the blood vessel, then you can get a real repair. Uh, and at least in the case of moderate coronary artery disease, where you have 20, 30, 40% narrowings, uh, if you stop the new toxin damage, you can expect much of the time, I can't give you a percentage, but you can expect much of the time to get a substantial reversal of atherosclerosis, yes. So if, there's, if, you, if someone came in and did the C-scan and two of their arteries were closed and you knew about this toxic tooth syndrome, and you, you know, maybe decide of his teeth, he has two root canals, and they were extracted. You're saying just taking the tooth out could dramatically help that situation? Oh, no question about it, absolutely. Gotcha. Absolutely, That's... yes. So, I... well, and of course, there's a lot of details there. It has to be done right, you have to clean out the socket, there's other things that you do, but, uh, but in a nutshell, I mean, 100% yeah. of root canal treated teeth are infected and highly toxic. Yes. Well, this also leads me to, I, I've had all the mercury taken out of my tooth by a guy that knew exactly what he was doing, but in, in that, in that um, book, The Toxic Tooth, that relates to you know, infection from teeth that's feeding um, you know, pathogens to the coronary artery, uh, I always wondered, like, once the tooth's infected, you, there's nothing else to do but yank it, I mean, versus a root canal? At this point, at this point of our science and technology, uh, yes, when you have an infected tooth, 
which by definition means it's going into the pulp of the tooth, the soft core of the tooth. Yeah. Once that gets infected, it kills it and it becomes necrotic. Necrotic means like pus and this sort of thing. So once you have an infection inside the tooth, the pulp of the tooth is dead. Okay. You can still have pain in that tooth because it's situated in the gums and you can have all sort of irritation and inflammation down there. So a lot of people or a lot of dentists seem to think, well, how can it be dead? It still hurts. No, no, no. The essence of the tooth, which is inside the pulp, when that's infected, it's necrotic, it's dead, and it will do nothing, serve no purpose other than to potentially supply you. Every time you chew down on the tooth, you generate enormous pressures, and then those pressures literally push the infection and the toxins into the venous drainage system, into the lymphatic system, okay? And in many ways, and I like to be a little melodramatic, but it's true, <laughs> which is you get a more effective inoculation of pathogens and toxins into your body by chewing down on a root canal treated tooth than you do by taking the same amount of toxins and injecting them IV into your blood. That's crazy. Because not only do you get them into your blood, what you don't do when you inject them into your blood is you don't, is you don't simultaneously inject it into the lymphatic system as well. So that's sort of the, the dichotomy there. You chew on these things, they squeeze into the lymph, and not the only spot, but one of the main spots you get is the lymph going into the breast, and at the same time, you're squeezing some into the venous system, which then gets into the bloodstream, works its way through the pulmonary system, into the left atrium, left ventricle, and kapow, into the coronary artery. And, and of course, I mentioned this because they're the, they're the two prominent ones. They go everywhere in the body. But I like to make this point, and I did with my book, Hidden Epidemic, is uh, well over 50%, probably 65 to 70% of the world's adult population dies of heart disease or breast cancer. Okay, so those two conditions right there is the vast majority of the reason that people die. Okay, Crazy. heart disease by itself is 50%, and you can easily throw another 15 or 20% on there for breast cancer. Now, obviously, there's a lot of other disease, but when you think, at least in terms of statistically important things that need to be addressed, there could be nothing more important than addressing the etiological factors for heart disease and breast cancer. And I believe I've pretty much just given you the reason for virtually all of those cases uh, arising. That's amazing. I mean, it's... The connection actually doesn't seem, it seems quite logical. I mean, if you think about it, it's not, it's, it, it's not something. What I said earlier, that is, is malpractice really, technically, uh, not trying to hurt people's feelings or integrity, but malpractice not to evaluate the mouth when you have a breast cancer patient. Obviously, the same thing applies when you have a chest pain or heart disease patient. Yeah. And it's interesting because back when I was an intern, I don't know, there was like, we had one cardiovascular surgeon, whenever a patient was getting ready to get bypass or a valve surgery, he sent him off to the dentist for an oral exam. And of course, that, I had no idea what was going on at that time. And I don't know what level of knowledge this particular fellow had before he did this, but all I can say, he was well ahead of his time. 
Okay, now, I don't know what he needed to find. Maybe he was just looking for a grossly infected tooth. I doubt he was just looking to see if there were root canals and have the root canals extracted, which would have been the most significant thing to do, but, but probably just establishing that somebody didn't have advanced gum disease that for which there are a lot of things you can do to improve that gum disease and make them less infected and, you know, less of a statistical possibility of causing post-operative infections after a cardiac surgery. That's amazing. And that was, you were an intern at that time, yeah? Right. You know, wow. it's kind of funny too. It, uh, um, folk medicine or the history of medicine, there's a substantial amount of information as to the importance of oral health to your general health. Um, if you remember the movie Ben-Hur with <laughs> Charlton Heston, uh, he was a gladiator, okay? And what did they do to the gladiators before they brought them into the ring? They, they would have them in their bare feet slogging in the uh, straw pits to make bricks, okay? That, that was the mixture, was their feet. <laughs> and there's a scene where uh, a soldier goes in, and I believe it's Charlton Heston, it might have been one of the others, okay. goes in and tells him to open his mouth, and he pulls down his, his lip to look at his gums. Healthy gums, healthy gladiator. Sick gums, don't bother with it. <laughs> that's, crazy. Okay, that's what it was all about. And yeah. veterinarians have done that for a long time. Pull the horse's lips down and look at the gums. So the gums are a, the health of the gums are a direct window to the health of the body. That's just amazing. So, you know, I wanted to sort of focus on vitamin C and, you know, megadose intravenous and lipo, and oral liposomal and cancer in a way, because my big thing is I, I just really believe that, uh, you know, vitamin C is just freaking, you know, unequivocally unbelievable. But, you know, I wanted to say that I felt from reading from your stuff and listening that, like, I always say, like, you know, fluoride in your toothpaste, yeah, one day doesn't matter, but over 50 years, it's in your blood. It's, it's heavy metal toxicity and it's building and, you know, everything we breathe and eat. And, you know, by the time you're 60, it, you can't really reverse this stuff overnight. So I always tell people, you know, who I'm helping with health, like, you know, number one, I got to, you got to believe and you got to kind of unlearn things that you know, and, and there's a process and you can't retox, you can't detox overnight. But what I liked about the vitamin C and tell me if I'm wrong is I felt like if you give mega dose intravenous vitamin C and you do it, you do the right dose on the right times and you keep doing it, that vitamin C just says, I don't care how overweight you are. I don't care that you've been smoking for 50 years. I don't care that you've been drinking for 50 years. It starts to donate electrons and kill the pathogens. Am I wrong? No, that's absolutely right. Uh, and everything except for vitamin C that ends up getting excreted before it gets abused, which is the case with any water-soluble nutrient that you take in, Every molecule of vitamin C that you take in ultimately donates two electrons somewhere. So it's not a, uh, and different people by virtue of their diseases, by virtue of their infectious load, have different levels of not only fixed oxidative stress from damage that's already been done, but new oxidative stress coming in and, and, and uh, oxidizing new biomolecules uh, 
if you find somebody that doesn't have a lot of chronic infection but did develop a significant disease, you can cause a substantial reversal when most of the vitamin C that you're taking is going to reduce old oxidation rather than prevent new oxidation. So whenever you can have a situation where the dose is high enough and significant enough and regular enough that over time you're doing much more repair than new damage is being done, yes, you can expect significant resolution of a lot of diseases that modern medicine still considers to not only be incurable, but to, but to be unimprovable and only treatable in the sense that maybe you can suppress bothersome symptoms. Okay, so that's I mean, amazing. Bottom, bottom line is our society these days, uh, modern medicine health means uh, after you're 40 years old, uh, two or three or four prescription medications to control your blood pressure, your diabetes, uh, reduce your arthritic pain, your headaches, uh, help your vision. Everything is symptom oriented. I mean, I like to say that there's two main phases that we, that we realize now to good treatment, which is repair old oxidation, prevent new oxidation. Well, modern medicine, quote unquote, does neither. It doesn't make any attempt to repair oxidized biomolecules. And by extension, it has no idea what's causing the oxidation. So it doesn't do anything for uh, preventing oxidation. Most quote unquote alternative or integrative medicine does the first. It, it attempts to reduce oxidation, but is still remaining disturbingly unaware of what it needs to do to prevent that from being taken. So the ultimate integrative medicine or science-based medicine is to repair old oxidation and do everything it, you need, which is a lot of different approaches you can do, to prevent or reduce new oxidation, new toxins. Okay. okay, so in order to simplify, because I think for the layman and the public that let's just say, if someone gets cancer, the first thing they think they have to go through chemo. So if we're talking to that kind of an audience, um, what I'm trying to do is say like, your books are life changing. You're, I mean, I, I don't, I, what I'm, where I'm going is like, it begs to ask if, if intravenous, megadose intravenous vitamin C can almost instantly start to reverse the oxidation pro uh, process and you know, reverse disease, even though there's you know, more infection feeding it, if you're not doing any conventional medicine, if you are getting megadose, you, know, you can reverse almost anything. But here, so here's the big question. Where do you get megadose intravenous vitamin C? Well, that's highly dependent on where you are in the world, what city you live in. I mean, uh, some countries you can't get it at all. Uh, and I don't know the rhyme or reason. Every, it's, it's, there's a lot of politics involved. Uh, in the United States still, even though, even though the COVID-19 pandemic sort of let vitamin C out of Pandora's box and a lot of hospitals started working with it right away, there's still been an incredible amount of pushback toward having vitamin C accepted or utilized. But that said, 
probably, at least this point in time, because things are changing so fast with regard to our medical rights and our freedoms and everything else, right better? now, no, no, okay, <laughs> right, right, right that, now. That's what I thought, that's what I thought, go on. Yeah, right, right now, you still have a lot of places and you don't have a tremendous degree of suppression from the medical boards and the, uh, and the um, FDA for clinicians to give intravenous vitamin C in their offices. So that can happen. Uh, there's a handful of cases. People write me all the time. My loved one is dying in the ICU. I want them to get vitamin C. And 49 times out of 50, it's, it's pointless. But one, t one out of 50, some doctor comes out of the blue and, and listens to the family yeah. and gives it. Okay, can we, with usually can we just, fantastic results. I mean, Dr. Levy, can we just stop here and just say, how insane is this? Well, it's, I like to say, and I don't mean it as an exaggeration. When you first hear it, you might think I'm exaggerating, but I'm not. And the statement is, there's more politics in medicine than there is in politics. Well, yeah, I okay. totally agree, yeah. Okay, I mean, you, you have, it hurts me to say this, but you probably have more politicians who do things because it's the right thing to do than you have physicians that make their patient's health their number one priority, okay? I think well over 90% of doctors on the planet uh, do things because they make money, they probably improve the patient a little symptomatically, but more importantly, they give them an excuse to ignore something that would be cheap, that you can't charge a lot for, and that would resolve the patient's problem and keep them from coming back. I mean, it took me a long time to evolve to that degree of maybe cynicism, but I think reality of just realizing the fact that, and I know it drives people crazy to hear this, but uh, so many doctors are not the good guys, okay? It's interesting too, on this COVID pandemic, now I can't say for sure what caused this, but I'll just give you this for what it's <laughs> Don't worth. start me on this, man, go on. Okay, uh, about a month ago, they came out with a little statistical study that showed during during this period of the pandemic, all cause mortality. Okay, that's at the population, their chance of dying from anything. So the whole, so not dying from COVID, but dying from anything substantially dropped during the COVID pandemic. Now, what else dropped during the COVID pandemic? Kids going and getting vaccinations, old people going to the emergency room because they were afraid of getting exposed to COVID, people getting different surgical procedures. Basically what dropped first and foremost during the pandemic was the application of quote unquote modern medicine and hospitalizations. So, I mean, I can't tell you for sure what caused that drop. I submit this for what it's worth. And I just tell you that you have to be really aware of what you want done to yourself before you get yourself into a hospitalized, hospitalized situation. So many things just happen reflexly and you go down a pathway, like with the COVID pandemic, there's so many people that the moment they had slight shortness of breath, they got a tube thrust down their throat. And believe me, 
in my opinion, that killed a lot more people than it helped. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, uh, I wrote an article incidentally, you know, for, uh, and, and it's, uh, on my website, which is peakenergy.com. Okay. It's called COVID-19 subtitle. How can I cure thee? Let me count the ways. And there's a whole list of documented ways to prevent, mitigate, and cure any respiratory virus, COVID included. So this pandemic does not need to exist. People don't need to die from COVID. People certainly don't need to be having prolonged exposure and prolonged illness due to COVID. We have everything we need but it doesn't fit the agenda of it's keeping insane. money in the pockets of the multi-billionaires. I mean, just insane. The, everything, everything can be identified with regard to motivation by a money trail. So every mm -hmm. time you want to ask, why isn't nebulization with hydrogen peroxide to kill the virus in your respiratory tract used? Well, because an effective dose costs five cents and it's harmless. It causes no side effects, and it just kills the virus. Uh, ozone kills everything that comes in contact with it. Extremely safe, okay? And the list goes on and on. And again, it's itemized in the article, but it's very difficult because when you're a patient, when you're sick, you're desperate. It's and not scary. only are you desperate, because you're desperate, you don't want to be a protagonist you don't want to be pushing yourself forward you just want to you want to find somebody and give them all your trust and assume and hope and pray that they're going to do what's best for you okay if you're really fighting you're not that sick <laughs> if you're really fighting you're not that sick so once you really get sick you know you get you get smacked with the uh uh coronary atherosclerosis or cancer diagnosis and you just sink into a depression and you say okay dr x dr y dr z here's my body do do what you need to do yeah. okay it's insane and uh it's so so actually the point of that too is make yourself as aware of all these possible things before you're desperately ill because yeah. you won't have the mindset or the motivation to do what's best for yourself if you wait until you get desperately ill yeah, it's hard because, like I said, people need to unlearn their belief system, what they've been told. And like with my mother, when she got giant cell arteritis, I was in Singapore, she was in New York, and I was trying to tell my family, she doesn't need a biopsy. I know exactly what to do. Like, you know, you get sucked into the system and you're going to four different doctors, the bills are going up, yeah. you know, they're milking you for your money, they're milking you for your dignity, they're milking you for your, your soul, your family, your friends, your job, and then you know, then you die. And, and, you know, so with, with my mom's this expression, well, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go on. That was, I, uh, I, a corollary of the expression is you can't learn what you know, not to be true. Yeah. So, so so many people are certain that this can't be true after you set that state then they can't possibly learn. It's, I mean, I, I got, I got an email today, you know, and, somebody knows what I do and they have a friend and my friend said this, this, and this. And they showed the comment by the friend and said, well, uh, I'm skeptical. I'm not going to believe it until I see this study. And, and so the, the patient, the person is writing me and say, what can we show them? I said, you know, 
I don't have the time to convince a skeptic, especially when they're still not going to accept what I say. And they're going to come up with another rationalization. I said, I scarcely have enough time to give support to the people that want support because that's why I write my books. I write my books for the masses. And so, so many times when somebody sends me an email, what can I do? I don't have the time. Yeah. But I do give away a lot of free ebooks. So I link them to an ebook. Said if you're really motivated, read for yourself, learn for yourself. And if after you read the whole book, you have a very specific question about something I said, well, then I'll, then I'll, I'll give it to you. But, you know, uh, said, uh, I get some emails that said, I heard vitamin C is good. Uh, how do I take it? <laughs> <laughs> and that's the entire email, it's you know. Crazy, so yeah. I send them a book. I don't even try yeah. I understand. I mean, I, you know, I want I'd like to circle back to that moment where you, you agreed, you, you're the pioneer of megadose, a modern day megadose vitamin C. You're the unequivocal leader of this. You've been doing it, studying it for 25 years. And, you know, I said, I want, okay, I have cancer. I'm not doing chemo. I want megadose vitamin C, intravenous vitamin C. And I said, where can I get it? And you said, you really can't. In so many words. Well, there are resources where they have organizations that have the integrative doctors in them around the world, different countries, different cities, and they have resource sections. And, you know, you might have somebody in Singapore there that, that's, that's in this organization. But, I mean, that, that would be – if you couldn't do that, then the best next best thing to do is to look in your yellow pages for um, – uh, naturopathic doctors or doctors who are clearly not just doing the mainstream stuff. And then you phone their office and if they don't offer it, you say, well, can I speak to the doc? You say, look, you know, I'm searching for this. So you have to do a little, a little, a little, uh, a little groundwork, but you talk to the people that are outside of mainstream medicine, they'll eventually if it's available in your community, get you in contact with the person that doesn't. Okay, but here's where I'm going with this. All right. How, if I walked into a hospital and I said I want megadose vitamin C, they wouldn't give it to me. Forget it. Okay, no. so if, yeah, not, not gonna happen. Can, could, can a board-certified doctor say I'm opening up a clinic to treat cancer with uh, megadose vitamin C in America? Can he yes, do that? Yes, but, but politically, you wouldn't want to say I have a clinic for treating advanced cancer with IV vitamin C. You know, you just, you know, I have a clinic where we, we, you, we use supportive therapies for people with chronic diseases. We try to strengthen their bodies so that they can better cope with whatever disease they have. You're yeah. just raising a red flag and you're poking, yeah. you're poking the bear in the eye when you say yeah. you have a clinic for treating cancer patients with IV vitamin C. That's, that'll, that'll just. Yeah, I get it. The just, anger, I guess it's my anger that, you know, the system says, you know, we're not going to let you live. We're going to milk you of your money and then kill you. And, and you can't have the vitamin C, meaning my friend with prostate cancer. That really, in a nutshell, is the truth. That, I mean, it may, came out of, may have come out of your mouth in a cynical fashion, but that's the absolute truth. Just... Matter of fact, let me take one more step here. Okay. Okay. We have all the data, and this might be a future book at some point in time. I just don't have the time right now because I'm a lawyer as well as a cardiologist. And I can tell you that when the intensive care unit doctor 
especially with the recent studies in the last couple of years showing the profound effect of intravenous vitamin C in saving people from dying of sepsis in the hospital, which is the major cause of death in hospitals around the world, is death from sepsis, overwhelming infection. The IV vitamin C brought almost everybody out of it in these studies. So at least, at least to the point where they eventually died from something else, but they didn't die from the sepsis because of the vitamin C. Now, and I've had too many people write me about this, and they'll show the doctors the articles, the actual articles with the protocol, and they say, no, no, no. That, at the very least, is negligent manslaughter. And these physicians need to be prosecuted under the law because they have the higher obligation to do what's best for you. And when you offer them something that's A, effective, B, inexpensive, and C, devoid of significant side effects, they only have their arrogance as an excuse, okay? But absolutely, in my opinion, a doctor today that denies the ardent wishes of a family to give their ICU patient intravenous vitamin C deserves to go to jail after that patient dies. I'm with you. And look at the Alan Smith story in Auckland. I mean, that's right. just, that says it all. That's on film. Exactly. I mean, the, exactly. Exactly. They, they, the, the, the guy was said, you know, they were, ICU, the doctors say he's, he's done. He's, he, there's no chance for him to survive. His son forces them to give the vitamin C. He comes around, and they didn't want the, they didn't want their word to say that he was. You you love how doctors speak. Like you're going to die on Wednesday at five o'clock, right? I mean, basically, you know, they they basically tell you exactly you know when you're going to die too. But you know, so they lowered the vitamin C because you know what they weren't going to have vitamin C. They know what they know it was working, but they weren't going to have it. You know go against what they said that he was going to die. So they were doing everything. I mean, I couldn't believe that. But it's like, I know this exists, but I think the fact that I know how powerful intravenous vitamin C is, but you can't really get it is just, it's like insanity. But here's the, the oral liposomal from uh, Live On Labs. Right. Um, almost, there's times you've said it's almost, of course, mega dose intravenous is, is kick ass, right? I mean, if you could do it regularly, but. You know, the Megadose is fantastic, but let me tell you, you, your different forms of vitamin C do different things, okay? IV gets you extremely high doses very quickly, and you flood the extracellular compartment. Uh, you take oral vitamin C, sodium ascorbate, regular powder. It hits the gut, neutralizes a lot of the toxins forming from the rotting food, cleans out the gut, and gets absorbed into the immune cells surrounding the gut. Liposomal vitamin C, an incredible mm, invention, if you will, makes tiny nano-sized, essentially artificial cells encapsulating the vitamin C so that whatever your dose is, almost 100% is absorbed. And because of the nature of the liposome, it eventually makes its way into the lymph into the bloodstream, and then when it gets to the cell, it merges with the cell wall, or it's so small it passes through cell pores and goes inside the intracellular organelles. But here's the kicker. 
without the consumption of energy. No so, transport needed. Right, no transport needed. The purpose of vitamin C is to provide energy in the form of electrons. So it's robbing Peter to pay Paul to use up energy to get your energy donating substance inside. And even when you give something intravenously that's not encapsulated in a liposome, you still need, if it's reduced vitamin C, active transport to get inside the cell. Or if it's oxidized vitamin C, DHAA, it will pass into the cell without the consumption of energy, but still require the consumption of energy inside the cell to be put back in the reduced form. So it's all Robert, robbing Peter to pay Paul. So I have seen scenarios in my own personal experience where five to 10 grams of oral liposome encapsulated vitamin C had as clinically impressive an effect as a 50 gram infusion. Now, that doesn't mean I want to select one over the other. When I have something, I want both. Yeah. Okay, I want both. And take a little dose of oral regular vitamin C as well, because <clears throat> they all do different things by different mechanisms and different pathways. Okay, so, but that's encouraging that if, if you had no choice and you had the money, you know, you could go to Live On Labs, get the liposomal vitamin and Absolutely. You know, and you would, what, some stagger the, it every six hours or something like that, or... Uh, you know, because of its mechanism, it's effectively a long-acting form of vitamin C. It's not mm -hmm. sitting in the blood, getting excreted in the urine. It's getting taken up into the cells. Okay. So that said, if you're sick, you probably want to take it every few hours. But if you take a whole bunch all at once, you're probably going to get pretty much the same effect because you're not going to get the huge flood of unencapsulated vitamin C into the blood that'll then get quickly eliminated in the urine. Mm -hmm. It's encapsulated okay. by the cells, yeah. So then like people are gonna ask, okay, well I go to uh, you know GNC and I get rose hips. Now tell me, is that, does that help? Specifically rose hips, I couldn't tell you, but there are a lot of vitamin C preparations where they put other bioflavonoids, and other things along the lines. Well, bioflavonoid is an antioxidant as well. So the more and wider a range of antioxidants you take, it forms what I call an antioxidant matrix, okay? They all support each other. Uh, unfortunately, the people that make these products have gone a step further and turned their good product into fraud by making assertions that, you know, Ascorbic acid or sodium ascorbate is not vitamin C. Uh, you know, it's a part, it's, it's only a small part of vitamin C complex. And this is absolute hogwash, okay? We have 80 years worth of literature showing what ascorbic acid or sodium ascorbate does by itself. Now, that doesn't mean I'm saying don't take other good things with it, don't take other antioxidants, but when you get these either very stupid or very amoral people, that are promoting a product that has vitamin C with a bunch of other stuff and call it whole vitamin C complex and whole food complex, that's fine. That's a good thing to take. But don't be denigrating what you can accomplish with vitamin C by itself at a much lower price. Okay, so you're, you're kind of saying this, the store shelf vitamin C works has, has some power, but it's, it's overpriced in a sense. Right, exactly. Or the complex, not just okay. the pure 
pure ascorbic acid or pure ascodium ascorbate, yes. Okay, so, um, you, you know, you were talking about nebulizing uh, hydrogen peroxide and 3%, I, I saw your whole thing on COVID. When, but you're not, are you talking about, you know, over-the-counter, starboard, or are you uh, hydrogen, or you're talking about food grade? Well, I'm talking about both. I mean, in, in, in the short term, if you're sick or you think you had a big exposure or you're starting to get sick, there's, there's not enough toxicity in the dilute inhaled form of a over-the-counter 3% hydrogen peroxide to do you any harm at all. Okay. So you absolutely shouldn't hold back. Now, on the other hand, if you end up really liking the hydrogen peroxide and you can see where you're going to work it into your lifestyle as a prevention uh, whenever you get into a situation and maybe you're doing a quick nebulization for a few minutes uh, several times a week well then yeah go to the effort of getting a a food grade or pharmaceutical grade hydrogen peroxide you know the purer the better but yeah. we have a lot of people that just get really hyper over oh it could have this toxin it could have that toxin well Whatever it is, is not nearly as problematic as maintaining pathogens in your respiratory tract. Yeah. Which the, which the, which the nebulized vitamins, uh, nebulized hydrogen peroxide knocks out yeah. just like that. I mean, uh, well, I certainly don't have a controlled trial to show you or anything like that, but right. I can tell you and I can assert to your listeners that might be listening is you need not ever suffer from a cold or flu, and this includes COVID-19 again, okay? Mm. When you attack viruses where they come into the body, in the oral and nasopharynx and in the lungs and in the sinuses, and you inhale or nebulize, probably along with ozone, the most potent antipathogen agent there is, which is hydrogen peroxide, which breaks down into nothing but water and oxygen there's no residual toxic byproduct that's formed you will as i like to say lop the head off the viral snake so even if you already have a system systematic body-wide flu when you knock out everything that's in the respiratory tract and lungs then whatever else you're doing allows the body to kick in and resolve the rest of the virus it's like lopping the head off the viral snake i like that so it the hydrogen peroxide nebulizer using store-bought vitamin C, you would mix with water and nebulize it. And, and you're saying this is more for prevention, but if, if COVID was full blown, oh. you would, but if COVID oh, was full blown, I mean, you uh, would want to give, you would really want to give uh, oxygen and intravenous vitamin C? Well, uh, uh, if you already have, so, well, if, it all depends on where you are and what the symptom is and when it happens. If, if you're in a situation where, you have a high dose exposure, but you feel perfectly fine. Well, I use the example because I've talked to a bunch of dentists. I mean, what do dentists do? <laughs> they stare unprotected into an open mouth all day long. Yeah. And there's so many people that have so much stuff going on. And I say, if I were you, Dr. Dentist, I'd have my, my little nebulizer. And at the end of every workday, I'd nebulize for three or four minutes. That's pretty wild. Why wait for it to set up yeah. shop? But if you're a little lazy or you don't want to be that, it could be just about as effective. It takes a little longer, but just about effective is if you do that the moment you have a runny nose or the moment you have a tickle in your throat. I got you. So, but and 
I've, I've, I've resolved advanced cases of flu with the same thing, but it ends up taking 36 hours rather than a couple hours. And how, how, how many times would you nebulize in 36 hours? Well, actually, in this particular case, it was my wife, and she nebulized um, twice the first day. She, she went from being miserable to feeling pretty good in two hours, did another nebulization, felt 80% the next morning, did two more nebulizations, and was fine the next day. So really just... Okay. Uh, was this half and half hydrogen peroxide and half water? Um, you take what you can tolerate. A lot of times, okay. if you have a significant amount of pathogen in your system already, you can do the 3%, and it doesn't bother you because it's being used up working on okay. the pathogens. Okay. On the other hand, if you have, if you're a greater sensitivity or, or there's not that much infection there, then a lot of the hydrogen peroxide will oxidize and irritate the mucosa, and it'll burn or sting, in which case then okay. you dilute. So you're so is it the nebulizer you nose, it, is it is it nose and mouth you're taking it in or just the mouth? I'm like Well, for most viruses see. they're they're propagating in your nose and sinus as well. So, so you do the now nose. if you're you know, if your nose feels perfectly fine and you're just noting a tickle in your throat, then you can use the mouth piece, mouthpiece instead of the whole mask. But uh, okay. either way. So I mean, are you familiar you ra with you rapidly get experience with it and you figure out what works. Okay. I mean, I don't know how much time you have, but I wanted to touch on just, I wanted to get to the magnesium because I'm so intrigued with that. But the, the, I just wanted to say about the hydrogen peroxide that I know food grade hydrogen peroxide is you, you really need to know what you're doing and you can't add it to plain water. You got to add it to distilled water. You know, that's something different, but I think then store-bought hydrogen peroxide. So, um, but uh, you know, the, the chloroquine and the chlorine dioxide, the miracle mineral solution. I don't know if you know anything about that. All these things that are quite effective in, you know, in a, I guess a mega. Th those are all covered in the article too that I told you about. Oh, cool. So, you know, like I bought my dad 8% food grade um, hydrogen peroxide and on it, it has all these cautions because it can burn your skin and stuff. And, and he's like, I want to get rid of that. I'm like, dad, that can save your life. Just keep it under your kitchen and I'll tell you how to use it, you know. So um, the thing I want to get into, your new book uh, that you recently published, and I don't know how the hell you write all these books. You've written 12 and you're gonna write 13. I mean, it's amazing. But um, so this book's called Magnesium Reversing Disease. I mean, you would think, you know, what could top vitamin C, intravenous vitamin C? And it, it's, are you saying, in a way, is magnesium, I know, I know how it takes away calcium or that balances the calcium, but is it better than vitamin C or does it do the same thing and re could it reverse cancer? It's not better, but, and, and I do this more from an academic point of view because I don't want anybody to stop taking vitamin C, obviously. Yeah. But yeah. when you ask the intellectual academic point, what's more important, a magnesium supplement or a vitamin C supplement, I would have to tell you the magnesium because when you have a magnesium deficiency, which most people have, many diseases are caused by a magnesium deficiency and all diseases are supported and worsened by a magnesium deficiency. And when you're deficient in magnesium, nothing is gonna make you better except magnesium. Okay, so that makes it the only supplement that's gonna take care of that. If you're deficient in vitamin C, 
taking a wide array of other antioxidants can partially, minimally compensate for the absence of the vitamin C. So in that sense, it makes magnesium as a mono supplement probably a little bit more important than vitamin C. Obviously, you need them both. You want to you want to you want to take care of your magnesium deficiency and you want to get your vitamin C up to optimal levels. So they're both incredibly important. But the role that vitamin C, I mean, uh, the role that magnesium plays, I think magnesium plays a critical role in 80 percent of all chemical reactions that take place in your body. So it's just an incredibly enormously important uh, uh, mineral. And as you pointed out, too, which is covered in my book, Death by Calcium, the primary physiology, pathophysiology of every sick or diseased cell is increased oxidative stress secondary to increased intracellular inside the cell calcium. And magnesium is the body's primary calcium antagonist and primary calcium channel blocker. So magnesium immediately works to bring down the elevated calcium level inside the cells throughout your body. Now, I mean, it's not just effective on one cell or one type of cell or one organ system. It affects all the cells in your body, which is why too much calcium increases all-cause mortality and taking a large amount of magnesium decreases all-cause mortality. Wow. So all the positive agents, and as it turns out, magnesium, vitamin D, vitamin C, and vitamin K2, all four of these substances decrease all-cause mortality as monotherapies, and they all work to bring down intracellular calcium which is one of the primary reasons why they're so profoundly impactful on longevity and on health. Wow. So the, the presence of too much calcium in a cell is the result of drinking dairy milk and eating cheese and, and stuff like that? Well, it's the primary, this is interesting, it's the primary cause of and reflection of whatever else has caused increased oxidative stress inside your cells. So as, as, you, as you oxidize more and more biomolecules, the calcium contributes to that. And, and yes, it's covered in the book. The more calcium you take in, the more you increase your all-cause mortality, whether it's by supplementation or by diet. Wow. Okay. So let, let me say in a nutshell, because it's a big involved point, and I'm not, I don't want to go on too much more, is uh, – Calcium, iron, and copper are what I call your three toxic nutrients. You absolutely need them in certain low minimal amounts for the life to be supported. But above those low amounts, they become three of the most toxic substances known to man. Okay, I'll stop my copper uh, supplement tomorrow. <laughs> absolutely, no, I'm yeah. not kidding. Yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah. no calcium, no copper, no yeah. iron. Well, this no. has been great. I mean, I could talk to you forever because I have so many questions about, you know, your blood alkalinity and, and that stuff and leaching calcium and stuff. But I know we've gone over an hour. So I just really want to thank you for your time. Um, you're, so you're a consultant for Live On Labs, L-I-V-O-N Labs, and they have liposomal magnesium, liposomal vitamin C. Um, right, their lab, their website is L-I-V-O-N labs, 
L-I-V-O-N. No L-I-V-E. It's pronounced live on, but there's no E. So it's okay. L-I-V-O-N, L-A-B-S dot com. Yes. And you can get liposomal. And, and my website is, is Peak Energy, P-E-A-K-E-N-E-R-G-Y dot com. You can see the books there. You can see the articles. I have a article page and you can see the entry. What was it? On July 18th, where I wrote this new article on COVID. Uh, how can I cure the let me count the ways you get a lot of information from that. That's awesome. All right. Well, you know, maybe we'll meet again. And um, I appreciate the information. And I, uh, you know, watch your calcium levels. <laughs> All right. All right. Take care. Thanks for having me on, Steve. Thank you very Have much. Have a good day. Okay. Bye -bye. Have a good night, I guess. Yeah. Good night. <laughs> okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.